Welcome to the Authors Who Lead podcast. This podcast is dedicated to you, people who want to be inspired by authors, leaders, and the messages they share. This is such an important podcast to us because we help uncover what goes on behind the scenes when authors are writing their book. We talk about the process. We talk about where they get big ideas, and you can listen in on those conversations. We can't wait for you to join us. So let's get started. Hey everybody, Asul Taranis here. Welcome back to another episode. I'm here with a dear friend, Rob Brown. He has been in the financial service industry and as a top producing advisor and held several senior leadership roles. And now as a business coach, Rob helps clients achieve excellence while living more purpose-filled lives. He's an author, of course, devoted husband, father, and a lifelong Cleveland's fan, which is a topic of his book or the focus of this book, Truest Fan. It's a story about turning the simplest lessons we learn from baseball, loving God and others into a way of living each and every day. And he encourages others to do the same. And in his book, Rob shares the seven most important lessons of the truest fan wisdom that when applied will lead to personal and professional transformation and a lifelong Cleveland fan, which is awesome. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks, Azul. It is so awesome to finally be here. This is one of my milestones for going through this book writing process was to to get on a podcast and I can't think of a better one to start with. Yeah. No, it's it has been my joy to be able to be a part of the process and also to watch this book kind of evolve from the very earliest ideas to it being on the shelves and, you know, copies in hand. And I I must tell you that when you first came to me and told me that you had this idea for a book, I got really excited. So for most people that are listening in here, you know, if you're in the financial services industry, you don't necessarily think of writing a book that's more, I would say more moral or story driven, sort of like an allegory for people. I think of like Who Moved My Cheese or another book very similar to that, which is maybe The One Minute Manager, something more like short, but driven towards a message. And I was really inspired and was couldn't wait to find it. So let's talk about the early times when you first had this idea of of a, the kind of book you want to write and how it turned into this truish fan book that is today. Yeah. And that's a lot of fun to talk about. You know, I read Ken Blanchard's book, The One Minute Manager back in the eighties. I mean, this was an incredible little short book with a really powerful story and message. And as soon as I read that, I told myself, one day I'm going to write a book like that. And of course, Ken has published a bunch of books yeah. telling important stories in this fable style. And then I have some other favorite authors like John Gordon who do it. I said, you know, just kept building. I want to do this. But when I would sit down to write, like my first book, I got very technical and I couldn't get myself to just let a story happen. The story that I knew was inside of me. And that was something that really came out in the work that we did together. And then once I started writing it, although I have to admit, it wasn't a straight line process. It was just so much fun to sit down and write and create and relate these things that I love, baseball, family, God, to lessons in leadership and impact that really will help people across the board, not just the type of people that I might normally work with in my coaching business. Right. I remember when we were doing some early activities, which were pretty non-traditional in the sense that I was asking you to reflect on who you were, your life, and the things that kind of made you who you are. And this idea of the truest fan, let's talk a little bit where it came from and why it was such a, an interesting entryway to be able to tell this story. Yeah, I think that 
I love being a cheerleader. And I like to cheer people and causes on, even though sometimes the cause may seem hopeless. And the best example of that, and I'm not trying to turn everybody into Cleveland Indians fans, although that would be great too. But one of the best examples of that is being a Cleveland Indians baseball fan. In my lifetime, the Indians have never won the World Series. Yet every year, including this year, the season's getting ready to start on April 1st, the same day as the launch of my book. I'm confident the Indians are going to win the World Series this year. And I just love that enthusiasm and cheering them on. And when I look at the success that I've had in life in raising three wonderful daughters, being part of causes, cheering on my clients, being their fans, being their truest fans is really important. And one of the best things about it is it has a boomerang effect. It comes back on you. So it's it's not giving to get, but it's when you really give, when you really care, when you're really somebody's truest fan, they become your truest fan. And I think the energy spreads. And I think that this book gives me an opportunity to, to, to really kind of create a movement around the idea of let's just all be true as fans. We couldn't, this is a period in time when we all need true as fans and to be more true as fans and to get away from some of the crazy negative stuff that's going on um, in the world today. Right. And that's the one thing that struck me is how committed you were and even how it committed to your faith. You'd love being the cheerleader on the sidelines. And there's something powerful about understanding that notion because there may only be a certain number of players in the dugout or on the field, but the stadiums are built to hold thousands. And then of those thousands, there are only a certain number of truest fans. And as you're in your book, you talk about the, these, the characters that sort of carry the story. And Bruiser, who's one of the, the main characters, meets another truest fan. And this whole idea of this fable starts with this notion that everyone really needs one of these truest fans in their life, at least one. Talk about that notion and you know why it's so important to understand that in the way we live our lives. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not a new lesson. It's a really old lesson. It's about loving other people as we love ourselves. And that just comes from the God who loves us so much. So it's just a different way of, of echoing that story. But, you know, you mentioned Bruiser and Bruiser, all of the characters in my book have a reflection in reality, although the stories about them aren't, didn't exactly happen the way that I write them. But Bruiser, the idea for Bruiser came from a fellow that I met at an Indians game back in 1985. This is in the old stadium. There were 2,000 people in the stadium that held 70,000 people. And I was showing off Cleveland Indians baseball to my newlywed wife for the first time. And when we got to the stadium and sat down in these great cheap seats, because all the seats are cheap when there are only 2,000 people in the stadium that big, Bruiser sits down next to me, or at least the person that I call Bruiser. But he was a member of the Hells Angels. He grew up in Cleveland the way I did, but we had very different paths and we're doing very different things in lives, in our lives. But we both had this same passion for both the Cleveland Indians and the things that we were doing in our lives at the time. So as I, as I came up with the, the way to open the book, that's where the, the character Bruiser comes from because I just like to think about all the different types of people who can be truest fans. You can come from all walks of life and have all different angles about the way that you approach things, but we can all come back to the point that we are our own truest fans and we're the truest fans of the people around us. And when we seek that out, 
we make the people around us, the world around us, a better place. Yeah, I love that. Let's talk about the process as the book unfolds. We can even kind of bring the process into the story. We said then to do this work. How certain were you of the path of what this book was going to be before you started? And how did you come to clarify the message as you got closer to putting the words on the page? You know, I don't think I was sure that I was on the right path until I wrote the last chapter. And what I was finding as I was writing and coming up with these stories is that it was the first time in my life where I really sat down to think about those core principles, those core lessons that have really carried me throughout my life. And many of those same lessons are the lessons that I use when I coach my clients and help them through the process. So I really didn't know how many there were. You know, some people will say things like, you know, these are my top five lessons. These are the 10 most important things I know. I didn't know if there were two, or if there were seven, or if there were a hundred. But when I wrote down what the seventh lesson was, and that became the last chapter of the book, I knew that I had written the book that I intended to live. And it made it easy to, to wrap up and actually a little bit sad that I was done because there are other characters that I really would love to write about, but maybe that's a book for another day. Right. Now, you weren't new to authorship. You have written other books. How is this process different, if at all, from writing those other books you said that you had mentioned earlier in the show here? Yeah. The one other book that I published it was really a compilation of stuff that I had already written. It was some of the technical knowledge that I have. It's called Delivering the Ultimate Client Experience. And it's a book about serving clients in the financial services industry. And so I just kind of pulled together some stuff that I'd already written so that I could use it for some training that I was doing. So I could kind of use it for a, a bit of a fancy business card. But when I decided to write this book, to write True as Fan, I told myself that I needed to get away from that. And even though I wanted the book to be something that would mean something to the clients that I currently serve, and several of them have read it and they love it, and they think it's going to help them. It wasn't why I wrote it, even though in the avatar for the book, I see the face of a kind of a mashup of a couple of faces of people that I coach who I've also, who I've helped, but have also helped me grow as a person. So I just decided that this needed to be different. And then that, that whole idea that one day I was going to write the fable and that, that was probably the hardest thing to commit to doing because, you know, it's, it's fiction, right? And I've never, certainly never written fiction before. I've, I've written blog posts or articles where I've had made up conversations, but I hadn't done it, you know, in, in such volume with so many different words. And I was, for a while, I was even hung up on like, where do I put the quotation marks and the commas if I'm having these extended conversations? But fortunately, you have great editors who, uh, who straighten that, uh, that all out in the end. But that was really it. Yeah. That's great. I loved them when you said earlier that you didn't know if this was the book exactly until you finished the last chapter. And sometimes people really try to make the the outline the thing that is the book. And I say, well, gosh, I think outlines are really useful when you finish the book. Like, I think they're really good to look at a chapter, you know, the list of chapters and go, oh, I can see the path now. But they can be really rigid if you're not careful and won't let you deviate from them and maybe find a new path. Is there any time during the writing of the book that you were writing one thing and then decided to change and something else came up or were you pretty consistent the whole way through? Oh, no, I, I definitely changed. I think I was fighting you along the way or 
because you were telling me, hey, Rob, this is a this is a journey and a process and kind of enjoy it and don't be that paint by numbers guy. And I love lists. I love, you know, being able to check things off sequentially. So that that was really, really hard to make the decision to just let it happen. And even though I ended up writing the book mostly sequentially because each story builds on the last, there was some switching around that ended up happening kind of in the middle because I felt like I wanted to realign the stories and the way the characters lined up. So yes, it was very different, but it's not too different in the way that I see so many people that I work with go about things. They want to have this straight line process for growing their businesses. They measure it in revenues or income or something like that. And they get so rigid with that. They forget that if they would just commit to serving the people that they want to serve the way that they do it, always keeping their eye on the prize, it's going to come together. It's going to feel more fun and more natural if they don't don't feel like they've got to check off one box at a time. Yeah, I appreciate that. And it is a process. It is a creative process when you're, well, definitely with fiction, it can be. But more than anything, if you're trying to convey something that you're still trying to find your way in, right? It's not like you're the expert at the guy who tells fables to teach lessons. That's a new thing. So you, you can't expect to be the one to know how it's supposed to go. So if you don't have a process, you can't be wrong. You can't break it. You can't, you know, fall on your face. It's just easier for the, what I find for the writers to not feel like there's some way to do it right or wrong. Let's talk a little bit about the marketing because, you know, obviously releasing your book on April 1st and opening day, you know, this being a book kind of an homage to not just baseball, but Cleveland. How is that going? Tell us a little bit about the momentum you're getting by just having to show up and share. And, you know, you've created a, a website, which we can talk about that gets people on the early list. What are the things that you're doing to get people excited and interested in, in this book? Yeah. So I have created a series of videos that have really reflected the process that I've gone through since I turned the manuscript over to the, to the editors. I just wanted to, to share a little bit of my excitement for what was next with the audience, with my friends on Facebook, with my connections on LinkedIn, with my clients, with people that I come in contact with. So I've created this series of, of videos. I've shared some quotes from the book, just pointing people to that, just, just trying to be active and out there. And I know nobody is going to be as excited about my book as I am, but it's, it's nice to have Jewish fans, cheerleaders who are rooting me on to have a successful launch of the book. And I've also created a small launch team. And it's just a couple of dozen people who have agreed to read the book in advance. And then when the book launches, they can buy it and create a verified testimony on Amazon. So I want to, I want to make sure that we have a good head start. So this little group is going to help me do that. And I've also worked with a number of coaches over the year, coach me. I've spent lots of money with them and it's all been great investments. I've just reached back out to them and asked them, you know, would you let your audience know that this book is going to be available? And so I have some people who have some very big lists who are going to get the word out there. So I've just tried to create a little bit of a groundswell, but also I don't want to call it an influencer or a joint venture. It's more just making sure that I take advantage of the relationships that I have because because they're people that I care about and I'm fans of, and hopefully they'll reflect some of that back on me as the book comes up for launch. Yeah. It's definitely spending time digging the well before you need it. It's it's really difficult to call on somebody for a favor if you've not had a relationship or had reciprocity 
What do you find as you're doing this work gives you the most excitement? Like, where is your joy in sharing your book with the world? You know, it is saying words that I've never said before about myself. Even though I'd written a book before, I didn't consider myself truly to be an author because I didn't write a book as a book. So I love being able to say uh, that I'm an author. I think today, as we've been talking, I said that it's fiction. I lived this book. I mean, this book, you know, lives and breathes and things and experiences that I have. So in a way, it feels like nonfiction to me, but I've written a piece of fiction. I think that is really, is really cool. And I think maybe the coolest thing is that I had early on some people that I know read the book so they could give me some feedback and some guidance. And because they're people I know and like, I was pretty sure they weren't going to say bad things about it. And they did. And they liked it. And they offered some suggestions. But the best part, the best part, and that's why I believe I'm onto something, is that most of them said, Rob, can I share this with somebody else? And I think to me, that is the greatest testament, the greatest point of excitement is this is something that is not only worth you know, going out and buying a whole bunch of copies for yourself, or a copy for yourself and buying a whole bunch of copies so that you can share them with other people because we all know people or will know people or run into people who need to hear the lessons that are in this book. And I think I've made it very easy to read and understand those lessons so that they have a, a positive impact on people going forward. So I think it's that opportunity for the for the book to compound and multiply as, as it gets out there in, in the wild and people are reading it, taking it in and sharing it with others. Yeah. No, I agree. It, there's something about as the reviews start to come in and they, you know, book goes live, you start getting natural reviews for people you don't know. That's when it gets yeah. exciting. I remember the first time people reached out to me who I had no idea who they were. We had no real <laughs> connection in, in the world. And they just would message me about how the book is really helping them. And I remember thinking, yeah. this is incredible. And I remember re- reaching out to one of those people who sent me a note. And I said, Hey, I'd love to jump on a Skype call and just hear about like more. They're like, really? You would talk to me? I'm like, yeah, I would love that. I mean, I'm just honored that you read my book. They're like, no, that would be great. And I thought, wow, what an impact. So, you know, me sitting down at the computer early nights, late mornings, putting my thoughts on the paper could really impact somebody because there are books that have changed me. Like I think of books that, that have really impacted me. Definitely some of Seth Godin's work, you know, Stephen Pressfield's book about the war of art, fiction, like, the Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. I think of these books as powerful forces in my life. And so it makes sense that someone else would have that experience. I just sometimes didn't equate that to myself. What are some books that really have impacted you that maybe have, besides the ones you mentioned, that might have informed your way of sharing in the world? Well, I would be um, silly if I didn't mention the Bible because so much of what I think and do comes from my understanding of Scripture. And I, I don't want to let that go on that because you know one of the one of the most important things about the relationship that I have with God is not that God has empowered me to do lots of crazy things but through me God is able to do things that only God can do and so I think that's you know one of the powers of this book and that comes from my uh, reading of scripture I mentioned it early on my the books from Ken Blanchard I love the book raving fans I love uh, the One Minute Manager. I love Gung Ho. Um, I'm a Ken Blanchard junkie. Um, I'm also a, a John Gordon junkie. John writes some great books, Training Camp, The Energy Bus. But and if you, and if you go back and look at the titles I'm mentioning, they're all fables, and I probably have a hard time thinking about 
any other type of book right now. But I know there are, there are many because I love to read and listen to books. And I know that I take things in that impact me sometimes right away. And sometimes you go, where did I read that? And you remember, hey, that was that was truest fan. I read that a couple of years ago. And um, I'm gonna go back and read it again. Yeah. You know, I, I envision people having bruiser t-shirts and like, you know, I just, I think it's a really interesting thing that you've created here. What would you, for those people who are thinking about writing a book, maybe, you know, a leader out there who has a story in them or a book idea in them, but is wondering, you know, is this worth the time and effort to put it out there? What advice would you give those leaders? You know, it's, it's advice that probably everybody expects me to say, but it really is just do it. You know, as I've gone through this process, I've actually learned of people that I know who are writing books just for their family. They just want to leave something behind just for their family, but they're taking the time to, to do it in a, in a way that's not just a sharing their journal. So I think about, you know, just that simple little impact that you can have on many generations out in the future just by stopping and saying, Hey, you know, I'm going to put this down. I'm going to write this for my family. And if it gets some momentum, if it gets some, what's the word I'm looking for, some commercial value to it, great. But you don't have to do it for that reason. But also think about if you're a leader and all the people that you have touched in your leadership roles who would probably love to hear from you again, hear those messages that you shared with them and maybe how they bounce back, the things that they taught you bounce back on that leader to make that leader a better leader. So I, I just think it's a matter of of having confidence and belief in yourself and which is one of the lessons of Truest Fan and being going out there and sharing it because there are a lot of messages that don't get shared because we are afraid to take that next step forward and writing a book, I think is one of those one of those processes. Great. What would you say to a leader that says, Man, I, I would love to, I just don't have the time. I mean I'd love to if I had more than 24 hours in a day, I'd love to do it. How would you help them with those objections? Well, I actually helped some of my clients through the book writing process, as you know. So I had some tricks for helping them find the time. But bar that, I would suggest that there is time because it just takes a little bit of time every day. And one of the simple pieces of brilliance that you I don't want to say you taught me, you reminded me of, because it's, it's out there, is that if you look at, if you break something down into bite-sized pieces, you set a goal for the number of, of words and then do the, do the math backwards to how many words you need to write per day, and then look at how much time you can write each day. You know, if, even if it's just 30 minutes, you can figure out what that number of words is. And you can write a lot of words in 30 minutes if you're really just excited about, you know, the book writing process. I love the, the podcast you did recently with John Lee Dumas, who's competing with me for a, a launch right now. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, you know, here's a, a guy who's writing a, a book who's got a, a huge audience and a, a probably a huge advance from the, from the publisher. But he wrote his book just the way that I did. He figured out how many words he needed to write and he divided it down. And he's a busy guy. So, so I think whether you're, no, no matter who you are, you can find time to do it. If you make the time, it's just a little bit of time today over, you know, a number of months, maybe a year, you can have a, you can have a, a manuscript done and, um, and it's worth it. That's awesome. Well, people are definitely going to want to know about this book and read it. It's, it's applicable in so many ways. If you run an organization or you run, you know, 
a group, a men's group, faith-based group, or you, you want to just be inspired yourself to find the things that help you be someone else's truest fan. And by serving others, you actually serve the world. Tell us where we can learn more about you, Rob, and so we can get people to go and find the book. Well, the best place to go is truestfan.com. You can pre-order the book from there now, and you'll be able to eventually order the book from there. Uh, it goes through Amazon, or you go straight to, to Amazon. The book is available on Amazon and pre-order as we speak. Uh, but if you go to the website and check that out and, and get your process started, you'll also be able to see some of the videos that I created leading up to the book. Um, and then once you get the book, there's an opportunity to get an implementation guide which will turn the ideas on the pages that I know will inspire you into activities or actions that you can take to put the concepts to work. So uh, go to truisfan.com and uh, it'll start the journey. Awesome. Rob, thank you so much for being guest. It was an honor to be your guide for this, but really you, you created something special here and I think it's going to impact people for generations to come. And for all of you who wanted to write a book or you're thinking about it, take Rob's advice and just do it. It is possible even with someone like Rob who runs a very successful company, you know, has a stance in the community and yet still found time to do it. If you have a message inside you, it's not too late and it's definitely not too impossible. So get to it. Thanks again, Rob. And thank everyone for listening. Thank you, Azul. Thank you for listening again to another episode of Authors Who Lead. We appreciate you being here and we hope you subscribe so you get this delivered to your device every week. And if you haven't left us a review, please do so. It really helps. And if you have a book in your heart, you've been wanting to write a book, please go to authorswholead.com and join us on this journey of becoming a published author.